because our screen is not working today, let me encourage you to turn again into, in your Bibles to Acts chapter 4. And this will be the fourth Sunday. Uh, there were three, the first three Sundays in January, if you were here. Uh, you know, we've been studying about how Peter and John had performed a miracle in the temple. Uh, they got called down for it for, uh, by the religious leaders, and they were threatened and told not to speak anymore in Jesus' name. But the people could not deny that God had done a miracle through them. And they recognized, this is what Luke tells us, they recognized that they had been with Jesus. And as we began this new year, we wanted uh, as a theme for this year that when people saw us, they would see Jesus. And it's hard to believe this is a fifth Sunday already, almost a tenth of the year is over as far as Sundays are concerned. Is that not truly amazing? I want to pray, then I want to tell you a story, then we're going to read the scripture, okay? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, help us to take advantage of the time that we have in your house as we focus upon your word and as we invite your spirit to speak to our hearts and minds. Lord Jesus, I pray that you'll be lifted up today. Lord, help us to realize again what you can do for a person who is lost in sin, that you can redeem them and save them and give them an abundant life, an adoption into your family, and an eternal home in heaven. And Father, remind us as Christians, Lord, many of us who are sitting in this sanctuary have been Christians for many, many years. Lord, some are still on fire, but some, the fire has been kind of snuffed out by everyday living. And perhaps some of us have lost our excitement about serving you on a day-to-day basis. It's easy to come to church, but, Lord, it's so hard when we leave this place to let your son be the focus of our life, to be the one that we set as our example to follow. Lord, it's so hard anymore in a world that seems really not to care about religion or even about having a personal relationship with God through Christ. It's so hard to, to live in a world like this. Lord, so often we're fearful that if we try and share the gospel with others, they'll reject us or make fun of us. And, Lord, so, so often we just, we just become very quiet. But, Father, I pray that you'll light a new fire in each of us. I pray, Father, that our church will re- discover the mission that you have for us here at the juncture of Chubb Lake Road and Country Club and Lord that we'll see that there is a very important role that we have in this community and that is to be witnesses for your son and Father I just pray that we will just make ourselves available to you and I pray that we'll humble ourselves Lord I pray that our desire would be that we would be found faithful. God, please speak in these moments to every heart. And Lord, may we be able to say when we leave this place, it was truly good to be in the house of God today. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm almost 62 years old. Yesterday, I had a great learning experience. And I'd like to just share that with you before I read the scripture. And perhaps to some, it's not going to mean very much, but to me, it meant a whole lot. My daughter, grand, uh, my granddaughter, Ellis, many of you know, spends basically spends the weekend with us while her mother's working. Well, we've been trying to make sure that we disciplined her 
just like she was one of our own. And, uh, of course, with the uh, permission of mom and under their guidance, and one of the ways that Rebecca wanted us to kind of discipline her was to put her in time out. And that's why I've got this kitchen stool. Now, originally this stool was designed for uh, a short wife to be able to reach into cabinets when I was absent. <laughs> and this stool has sat beside our refrigerator for years. But since Ella has come into this world, this has been one of her places of time out. Yesterday morning, everything went real good. She got up, had a good night's sleep. And we were sitting on, we do this on Saturday mornings, we were sitting there watching a fishing show. And I can't remember now what it was, but something happened that she didn't like. She had an attack of the terrible twos. She looked at me and screamed, and I don't even remember now what it was. Very unhappy. I cut the TV off. I sent her. I told her to go get in timeout. She knows what that means. She walked over to this stool and sat down beside the refrigerator. I went and push, pushed in three minutes on the microwave timer. The three minutes went by, she got up, the world was back. It had got back on its axis again. She was happy, I was happy. And then I got mad about something. <laughs> now this was, this was a very important moment for me. And I yelled about something. And it suddenly dawned on me, what right have I got to put Ella in time out for doing the very same thing that I just did? So I went and sat down on the stool beside the refrigerator for a couple of minutes. And I can't tell you the puzzled look as Ella looked at me sitting on that stool. Like, what are you doing? I put my own self in time out yesterday morning. And folks, it suddenly dawned on me that I need to practice what I preach. And I should not expect more out of Ella than I expect out of myself. And it kind of helped me get refocused again. My job is to share with you what God wants you to do, but it is also my job to set the example for you. I want to make a new commitment to practice what I preach. And um, I'm thankful for those few moments in time out. It's far beyond me just having a moment where I, and I didn't realize that I was, I was, had gotten upset, and I don't even remember what it was. Now, isn't that something, you know, you get upset and you don't even remember why? But it's like God spoke to me and said, listen, you know, how can you expect Ella not to do this if you don't set the right example? And folks, how can you and I as a church and as believers in Jesus Christ convince the world outside of these doors that he is alive and real and he can transform life and make us a different person if we're not living that life? And I want this to be more than just a pep talk when we talk about what God can do this year. So do you need to be in spiritual timeout? I'm going to remember, this stool is going to go back. I left a note this morning when I left home. I wanted Debbie to know where the stool was at. I wanted Ella to know where it was at too because it's going to be back. But if y'all come by the parsonage and I'm sitting next to the refrigerator on that stove, you'll know what's going on. Okay. I don't know what that meant to you, but I'm glad I got that off my chest. It was a revelation to me yesterday, something very simple. 
I'm almost 62 years old. I needed to get in spiritual time out. And some of us need to do that too, don't we? We need to refocus. And really, we need to retool, to be quite honest with you. Let me read this passage of Scripture that we've been reading, Acts chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. As they were speaking to the people, that is, Peter and John, the priest and certain and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. Now, folks, I've told you every time I read these verses of Scripture, it just blesses my heart. But something I needed to, to share with you, you see... When, when Peter and James are preaching the resurrection from the dead of Jesus Christ, did you know that immediately got them in trouble? Because there were some of the Jewish leaders that believed there was no resurrection from the dead. And folks, I'm going to tell you, if you begin to tell people that Jesus died on the cross and he's alive, he came back to life after three days, in today's world they're going to doubt that and they're going to think you're telling them a lie because they don't believe that themselves and they don't believe there's life after death. Folks, Peter and John had gotten these folks in verse 2, had gotten them annoyed. Listen to this, verse 2, annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until tomorrow, for it was already evening. But folks, listen to this, verse 4, but many of those who heard the word believed and the number of the men came to about 5,000. Folks, listen, God honors the teaching and the preaching and the sharing of his word. And folks, when you and I, whether it's in the church setting, whether it's from the pulpit, from the Sunday school classroom, in a Bible study, wherever we are, when we share the teaching and the preaching and the sharing of the word of God, then God is going to honor that. And the gospel will bring in a harvest. It's like planting a garden. And Paul talks about it, the more seeds you sow, the greater the harvest is going to be. And folks, one of the problems is that we're not sowing the seeds of the gospel. But God honors the sowing of the seed of his word and of his son. And so a harvest is coming in in verse 4. Verse 5, on the morrow their rulers and elders and scribes were gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, By what power, by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, If we're being examined today concerning a good deed done to a cripple, by what means this man has been healed, be it known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, notice the second time, whom God raised from the dead, that was part of their preaching, that Jesus died, that he rose again. By him, this man is standing before you well. This is a stone which was rejected by you builders, but which has become the head of the corner. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which you must be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they wondered and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. And again, that's been that focal verse. Folks, these educated religious people knew that Peter and John had been with Jesus. Even though compared to worldly standards, they were uneducated, common men. 
Verse 14, but seeing the man that had been healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is manifest to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. We've said before, the best proof of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and his being alive today is the change that he makes in our lives. Amen. That is a living proof. Paul says in his writings that we are the epistles, uh, and that means books, the letters. We are a living book to our world about us that Jesus is alive, and no one can deny the, the living Christ as he is seen in us. Verse 17, But in order that it may spread no farther among the people, let us warn them, to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they have father threatened them. Now again, understand, they went from being annoyed, they went to telling them to shut up, don't tell anybody else about Jesus, and then they began to threaten them. They let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all men praised God for what had happened. Folks, as I've already said, this will be the last Sunday morning that we'll look at this passage of Scripture, and we're going to move on. But you remember in the first three Sundays, and this is going to be a very brief uh, summary of what we've already considered. You and I, as we began this new year, 2013, asked the question, what should you and I as Christians and as a church do this year? And there are three commitments that I want to encourage us to make. And I say us because I hope we'll join together in doing this. Number one, we will make a commitment to give this year to God and grow as believers. And you remember we mentioned five ways that we can grow as believers. And folks, if we leave any of these five things off, it's going to hurt our spiritual development and growth. And again, I'm promising you I commit myself to these five areas of Christian growth, okay? And I'm, I'm going to practice what I'm preaching to you. Number one, personal Bible study. Find time to read the Word of God. Amen. Make time. Find time. I'm not saying you've got to read it 10 hours a day. I'm simply saying find time to begin to read in the Word of God. Begin in the New Testament. Begin with the Gospel of John. Begin with something that you can easily grasp and understand. We must commit ourselves to personal prayer. Again, find time to pray. We must commit ourselves to personal worship. Now, what does that mean? We come to the church and worship, but yet are there other times during the week that we spend with God simply communing with Him, simply giving Him some time to speak to our hearts and to share some things with him. And we need to commit ourselves to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Folks, something I'm learning is that we commit ourselves to something in life. We do. It might be to ourselves. It might be to pleasure. It might be to sin. But we are making a commitment of ourselves to something or someone. May it be commitment to the lordship of Jesus Christ. And we must make a commitment to grow in obedience. 
And folks, why are these five things so important? You remember I read uh, that statement from a devotional that I read recently, and the person's name was Dr. Danny Wood, and he made this statement, remember that God must work in you before he can work through you. God must work in us before he can work through us. And one of the reasons that we're so ineffective as Christians and sometimes even as a church is that God has not been allowed to work in us. And again, hear this not as criticism, not again as standing in this pulpit. I got in time out yesterday and it was not just because of my relationship with my granddaughter, but my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. God must work in us before he can work through us. And he begins to work in us as we read and study our Bible, as we pray, as we worship, as we dedicate ourselves to the Lordship of Christ, and as we obey him. A second commitment is to make a commitment to serve God this year. And folks, God gives every one of us spiritual gifts to be used in his kingdom. And none of us can say, well, I can't be used of God. Listen, Peter and John, crusty old fishermen that were changed by Jesus, were made into a new creation Folks, when you and I give our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ, he equips us for service in his kingdom. And a lot of times that involves serving others. Matter of fact, all times it involves serving others. Jesus will not give us a spiritual gift to keep to ourselves, but to share with others. Jesus does not give us his love and his salvation to keep to ourselves. It is something that we share with others. And thirdly, make a commitment to be a witness for our Lord this year. Folks, this is, I know this is one of the hardest things to do because the first thing that happens when we say we want to be a witness for Christ, what happens? Fear. Folks, let me read you a statement that is actually going to be in the open windows. I believe it is, I'm getting ahead of myself, it's, it's March the 20th. I'm getting ahead. Turkey season's coming, and I'm trying to get caught up on my devotional so I can go turkey hunt. And so I was reading this past week in March the 20th, and, and this is a statement out of that devotional from Open Windows. Fear can become paralyzing, causing us to act unwisely or perhaps even worse, to not act at all. Let me read that to you again. Fear can become paralyzing, causing us to act unwisely, or perhaps even worse, not to act at all. And folks, when we talk about witnessing for the Lord Jesus Christ, folks, I know that it strikes fear in every single one of our lives. You remember two weeks ago that I gave you a list of scriptures that we could read uh, and study and try and memorize. And you remember those, Romans 3, 23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 5, 8, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. John 3, 16, Romans 10, 9 and 10, verse 11 and 13. If you believe in your heart that Jesus rose from the dead and confess him with your lips. I haven't committed those to memory. Can you tell that? But what I do know is that Paul says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. And folks, listen to this. Something that has just really grabbed my attention. Find a Christian friend, a Christian brother or sister, perhaps your husband or wife, 
perhaps your brother or sister who's a committed Christian and say, listen, I want to be equipped to share witness, share witness for Christ. Begin to practice on them. Folks, I'm not being funny here or silly. Folks, do something that will make you comfortable with telling other people about Jesus Christ. But let me tell you something. Satan will seek to silence us and to silence this church. But you know what the Spirit of God will do? If we allow the Spirit of God to fully take control of us, the Spirit of God will fill our mouths with what? With the words of God and with a testimony of Jesus. And folks, I truly believe that the church of Jesus Christ is a sleeping giant, and we need to awaken it. And you know what does that? It's the Spirit of God. It is the Spirit of God. Folks, what was causing all these things to happen with Peter and John and that early church? It was the Spirit of God. Again, I'm going to get ahead of myself, but let me give you a quick preview of what had happened. In Acts chapter 1, the disciples had spent 40 days with the resurrected Lord. Now, we don't have that opportunity and privilege as they did to literally see him, talk with him, eat with him, fellowship with him. We do that in a spiritual way on a day-to-day basis as we read the Word of God, as, as we pray, as we come to church and worship. But folks, those, those men had been with the Lord for 40 days, and that early church began to band together. And as we're told in Acts chapter 1, there was only about 120 of them. Do you realize that? That's smaller than the average Baptist church. That early church there in Jerusalem that turned the world upside down. One of the first things that they did, they began to devote themselves to pray. Pray for this church. Please pray that God will use this church. In Acts chapter 2, approximately 50 days after the death and resurrection of Christ, as Jesus had promised, he sent his Holy Spirit to the church. You and I call that the day of Pentecost. Men like Peter were empowered to preach the word of God. Peter preached, 3,000 were saved, and the early church began to understand who it was. And the early church began to make commitments The early church began to commit itself to the apostles' teachings. And you know what that was? They didn't have a New Testament then. All they had was the Old Testament. But these apostles began to share with this early church about Jesus not only dying on the cross and being resurrected from the dead, but they began to share what they knew about Jesus' life and about his ministry. They began to grow in their understanding of the gospel Folks, I hope and pray that when you come to church, you want to go to the Sunday school. You want to go to the Bible studies. We want to learn the Word of God because it teaches us about our Savior and Lord and about our God who is our Creator. And they began to fellowship with one another. Folks, I want to tell you, I've always been grateful. God has given me, I feel, and this is not a prideful statement, God has given me a lot of friends. Many of them do not profess faith in Jesus Christ yet. I pray that they will. But folks, one of the most precious gifts that God has ever given me is my Christian friends. And I include you in that number. I watch Christ work in you and it becomes one of the greatest sources of encouragement for me and to me. God works in your lives in so many ways it touches my life. And for that I'm grateful. 
Folks, we need each other. We need this fellowship. When we're down, we can be lifted up by others. And when they're down, God can use us to lift them up. Folks, listen, the church has got such a vital role to play in 2013. This early church saw that. They broke bread, which was a symbol of their obedience to the commands of Christ. You remember he told them until he, until he came again that they would take the Lord's Supper. And again, prayers are mentioned. This early church was a praying church. And folks, in chapter 3, no wonder that the disciples and the church go out among the people and they go out not in their own strength and power because remember again, there were, there were tax collectors, there were fishermen, there were everyday ordinary people, but when they went out in the Spirit of God, God began to work through them. And folks, if we yield ourselves to the Spirit of God, when we leave this place, God will make an impact on our community. And folks, I'm not saying they're terrible people in this community. I'm saying they're people without Jesus Christ. And that's where we fit in. We are to be God's witnesses to them. But folks, we'll never become those witnesses until we get the power of God. Let me read a statement. Vance Havner, I never heard him preach. He was, he was a great North Carolina preacher of a generation ago. And, and I've read some of his books. I never heard him preach, but he was, he was one of the most powerful preachers, they said, in, in the state of North Carolina for many, many years. And Vance Habner wrote this or said this statement. We're not going to move this world by criticism of it nor conformity to it, but by the combustion within it of lives ignited by the Spirit of God. Let me put that in simple South Carolina Herbert Brown English, okay. Stop griping about the world. Stop becoming like the world. Get fired up by the Spirit of God and go out and change the world in the name of Jesus Christ. Folks, Peter and John, these guys were doing it. But how? Folks, let me give you 10 areas, and I'm going to run out of time. But let me give you 10 areas that will make our church, I believe, useful in God's kingdom this coming year and until he comes again. And this might be the year. Who knows? I don't. But folks, let me, and and I'll try and run over these quickly, okay? As a church, you and I need to have the right kind of faith. And I hope you're saying, what does he mean the right kind of faith? Faith is faith. Well, is it? You know, we hear so many people today saying, I believe in God. But sometimes I believe that is a mental just acceptance that God exists. Folks, the right kind of faith is the faith that surrenders itself over to God. The right kind of faith is a faith that moves from the mind to the heart to all of life. That's why I believe James says faith without works is dead. You see, if you get faith in God, true faith in Jesus Christ, it's going to change your life. You're going to be a new person. Your whole outlook, your whole focus, your whole motivation for living is going to be changed. And something that I've just recently found out, we need as much faith at the end of life and at the end of our journey as we do at the beginning. I want you to think about that for just a second, not because I said it, But I think it's a profound thought. Folks, listen, you know, 
Well, we come to that point in time, we say, well, I trusted Christ as my Savior, what's next? And we just move on with life. Folks, the same faith in Jesus Christ that caused us to bow in his presence and say, Lord, I'm a sinner, but I believe that you died on the cross for me, and if I trust you as my personal Savior, I'll be born into the kingdom of God, I'll become a new creation, and my name will be written on the Lamb's book of life. Folks, that same kind of faith needs to move in our life on a day-to-day basis to help us to grow and help us become the witness and the person that the Lord Jesus Christ wants us to be. This is what is happening to those men and women of that early church. Yes, they had come to faith that Jesus was the Son of God, that he died on the cross, that he was risen from the grave. But they began to have the faith that he would live with them and live through them and live in them through the Spirit of God. Marvin Suit was the first man that I ever heard give this definition of faith, and you've heard me say it many times, forsaking all I trust him. And folks, every day is a new adventure. Every day we've got to trust the Lord Jesus more and more. I'm going to run out of time, so let me run through these quickly, okay? And, and we'll take time tonight and mention, number one, have the right kind of faith. And again, 10 areas that we want our church to be more useful in God's kingdom. Number two, have no other gods before the Lord. You have trouble worshiping other gods. I'm not talking about statues. An idol or God is anything that takes the place of our Lord in our life. It can be sin. It can be self. You know, be honest with you, we worship ourselves more than anything else, don't we? Satisfy self. Self is number one. Money, pleasure, pride, self-gratification. From the very beginning of dealing with people, God let them know, don't have any other gods before me. I'm a jealous God. You think about it for just a second. Let me read you some verses out of Deuteronomy chapter 10. Listen to this. Deuteronomy 10, 12, and 13. And now, Israel, what does the Lord our God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I command you this day. And then there are three more words in that verse. Listen to these three words, for your good. Have you ever thought about how many heavenly hosts and angelic beings are worshiping God in heaven? Have you ever thought about the how many ever that have gone before that trusted God that are in heaven right now worshiping him? Does he really need our worship? Or do we need to worship him? You see, God is saying there are a couple of different paths you can take. One is the way that leads away from God, but it is the path of destruction. Many are on that that path, and the end is destruction. Not just in eternal hell, but right now in this life. But folks, the other path is toward God and toward being in his will and toward his blessings. I said I was going to get through all ten. I am, okay? 
Worship, number three, worship that results in obedience. Let me ask you something. What we're doing here this morning, is it going to cause us to be obedient to the Lord this week? If not, we have missed the boat. In Luke six forty six, Jesus said, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? That is quite a question, isn't it? Why even come to church and spend time here if we're not going to be obedient to him? Number four, say no to Satan and yes to God. Think about that for just a second. James says, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, he will flee from you, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. We probably are saying yes to Satan and really don't realize it when we give in to sin and temptation. Say no to Satan, yes to God. We as a church must believe we're on a mission from God. Do we believe that? You know, I believe that's why so often we get discouraged. We forget while we're here. The Apostle Paul, if there was ever a man that got criticized as a preacher, as a pastor, as a teacher of the gospel, it was Paul. Paul was accused of all kind of things. He was in it for the money. He's in it for self-glory. In Galatians chapter 1, and let me read this verse. Galatians chapter 1, Paul says, and I'm going to read this out of the Amplified Bible, Paul, an apostle, a special messenger, appointed, commissioned, sent out not from any body of men nor by or through any man, but by and through Jesus Christ. You know what Paul is saying? He was God called, he was God directed, and he was God empowered. Do we realize that? Folks, this, this isn't simply about just being a little... Baptist church that's going to try and do some good things in the community. This is about being a group that has been called out by God and is directed by God, empowered by God. Let me run over the next couple. Individual participation. Not one of us, but all of us are called to be servants of Christ. Do you know that? Prayer. Prayer as a body of believers. We've already mentioned a number of times the importance of prayer. What would happen in our church if our church began to pray constantly? You know what that means. Not 24 hours a day, but that became one of the focuses. Do you take the prayer list home? I'm not asking you to pray for everybody, but people that you would know and that you would be able to focus in on. Do you pray for the church staff? Please do that. And I thank you. I know that many of you pray for me throughout the years. And so often, I thank God for that. If y'all knew the real Herbert Brown, y'all would pray more for him. He struggles. Witness to the lost. Folks, it's time to stand up and speak up for Jesus Christ. We don't have to offend people, but we can tell them that we love others, that we love them. And that Jesus does too. I'm so grateful that someone told me about Jesus. Final thing I want to say. Praising God for what he has done, what he will do, and what he's going to do. What he is doing. Well, does that sound like a pep talk? I didn't mean for it to. 
Because this is a reality where we stand. We are on a mission. We've got a purpose. Let me close by this final quote, okay? Recently, somebody gave me a card of encouragement. And I was reading the back uh, of the card, and it was about the man that had designed the card in the verse. His name was Dolphus Weary. I've never heard of him. That doesn't make any difference. But this was a statement written on that card, and I just asked you just to kind of absorb this, okay? This is what he wrote. We must be faithful in doing the work God gives us and remember that it is God who moves mountains, not us. It is God who moves mountains, not us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what we can become in your power. Lord, help us that we'll stop resisting. You're using us. Forgive us when we have allowed Satan to convince us that there's some things that we can't do. Whether it would be setting aside time to read and study and learn the scripture or setting aside time to pray or becoming a personal witness for you. Father, so often we are paralyzed by fear and it causes us to do nothing at all. But Father, I pray that we would realize that that same power of the Holy Spirit that was available to Peter and John is available to us if we'll simply surrender ourselves to you. And so, Father, I pray that we will. We are weak, but you are truly strong. We cannot move mountains, but you created the mountains and you can move them at your own will. Lord Jesus, I thank you for our church. Lord, help us that we will be faithful in proclaiming and sharing and living the story of your son. Father, help us to sow many seeds so that there'll be a great harvest. And Lord, humble us that we would desire absolutely no credit nor recognition, but we would want all the praise and glory to go to you. Father, some of us need to be put in spiritual timeout just to take inventory of where we are with you, just to take a good close look at ourselves at this present moment. Father, I pray that if we've lost the love that we've had for you in years gone by, that that love will be rekindled again. And I pray that if we've been silent, Oh, God, you will loosen our tongues. That in a very tactful 
in spirit-led way, we would acknowledge who you are in our lives and who you want to be in the lives of all others. And Father, help us this week to say no to Satan and yes to you. Help us this week, O God, to be obedient to you. And help us, Father, not to wait until we enter again in this place to worship you, but help it to become a daily experience for us all. In these moments of invitation, Father, I just pray that you'll speak. And Lord, if decisions need to be made, I pray that you'll strengthen us to make those decisions and commitments. If someone's here, Lord, who needs to trust your Son as Savior, whether they're young or old, help them, Father, to make that decision to follow your Son. For we ask in his name. Amen.